begin, let's have a word of prayer together. Father, we come this morning to say thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, we ask that as we commit this time to you, that you would open our hearts and our our minds to your uh, through your Holy Spirit, to your presence. Uh, Lord, uh, through the music, through prayer, through the opening of your word, through communion together, all, that you would use all of these things to strengthen our walk with you, draw us close together and close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Everyone can stand with us and sing 10,000 reasons. We have so many reasons to bless the Lord today. Amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul. I'll worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me. Let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. I'll worship Your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord of my soul. Oh, my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then forevermore. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name, worship your holy name, Lord, I worship your holy name.
In the way of announcements this morning, I just have a, a few to share. Obviously, still masks, singing, all the same rules that we've been going by yet. Um, and uh, the, uh, oh, what was it? I was, oh, Daily Breads. There it is. I think it's right in front of me. Uh, the Daily Breads are here for September, October, November, some out on the counter. So uh, feel free to take one for yourself. And if, uh, you, you know, we notice you know, a lot of people aren't here. You think of someone that would could use one, you know, you can give them a call and leave it on the porch or something, <laughs> however you choose to do that. And uh, make sure that uh, people that you know or care about that would like, might need one or use one, especially right now. And uh, so feel free to take extras. Um, the uh, offering is up here on the communion table. And... Uh, just uh, make sure with communion that you have our self-serve communion packets. And uh, if you uh, didn't get one coming in, you can go over and get one while we're singing uh, in the next round of songs. So uh, feel free to do that. And the way of prayer needs this morning, uh, just uh, keep Kay and Diane and Ted in prayers. They all recovering from surgery. They're all doing very well. They're very thankful. Um, the uh, Lee is still in a lot of pain from her fall. She is at home, but in a, in a lot of pain. By the way, Kay, Diane, and Ted are all home too. And uh, uh, she d- still has uh, repercussions from a punctured lung from a broken rib. And uh, that takes time for that to heal. So it's very uncomfortable. and She can't find a foot. Her biggest difficulty is finding it. What does she put it? Finding a a, a place to sleep <laughs> so she's been sleeping literally straight up in her recliner you know it seems to be the most comfortable way and the least amount of pressure on her chest so she asked for prayer for sleep and and that that would heal and certainly uh no need to mention it necessarily but the covid19 uh globally as well as as in our nation it just seems to go like this all over the place and uh uh, so we need to keep praying that God would intervene there. And uh, also, especially with school starting, there's some that are starting tomorrow, uh, here locally. And, uh, uh, each school district has got their own setup as to what they're going to do. And so, uh, just keeping those in prayer and keeping our children and our, and our teachers in prayer that, uh, God would protect them as they return to school. Um, Grant, you know, had a, uh, Grant Stockman had surgery on his foot about a, a week, well, a week and a couple of days. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he had a surgery on his toes. He was doing really, really well. Well, now he's got a, an infection. One toe started bleeding and it turns out it's got an infection. So we need to pray that God would intervene there and heal. Um, need to pray for our leaders that they would seek God. And uh, look to him for direction through all of the stuff that we're going through. And uh, pray for ourselves as a congregation. That God would open our hearts and our minds uh, and our ears and our eyes, so to speak, to, as we look around and see the different needs that where God may use us to minister to someone. It might be just simply a phone call or a, a drop of a, a, a handwritten note sometimes 
does amazing things to someone that receives something. You know, we don't, we don't get much mail anymore, you know, and so to receive something in the mail seems so personal and so special. And so I was thinking of Joanne Farnsworth and others that uh, could use a, a, a blessing. So keep that in mind. Uh, any other prayer needs this morning? Jackie, one more. Uh, still having problems uh, getting things coordinated with uh, the creams, the ointments that they use on her legs. They keep running out or losing it or misplacing it or something because she had to send somebody to a drugstore to get some. Because they didn't have it. And so, uh, uh, it's just little inconveniences which make it difficult, uh, to be confined. So just keep her in prayer too. Let's pray. Father, while we are thanking you and praising you, we do think of the needs of those around us, and especially in our congregation. We think of Grant and Kay and Diane and Ted recovering from surgery. We thank you that uh, it has been going well. Grant uh, has the infection. We would ask that you would intervene and bring healing there, protect his body from this infection, uh, and so that it's it's limited to the toe and that it will be healing fast. And uh, as Kay and, and Diane and Ted and Grant all recover, uh, keep them safe. Lee, Lord, we ask that you would uh, heal her lung and, and bring peace and rest to her body and also all the pain that has been encompassed around that, that you would give her a sense of, of, of peace, but also re- relief, Lord, from the pain and, and a good night's sleep. Maybe that she would sleep tonight and, and wake up refreshed. We think of uh, all of the people that have suffered loss through the COVID-19, and we ask, Lord, that you would be with them, comfort them as only you can. Lord, for those in the hospital and sick at home with it, we ask that you would be with them, bring healing, bring strength. For those that are uh, quarantined but not sick, uh, give them peace. And and uh, all of us, Lord, give us wisdom uh, and a sense of prudence. Uh, we may not uh, necessarily agree with all the things that... that, that uh, are said that we need to do and, and whatever, but Lord, we are responsible to be prudent with the information you give us and safe and, and protect not only ourselves, but the people around us. So we ask, Lord, that you would just uh, help us to, to be thinking of others as well as ourselves during this time, especially the opportunity to maybe, uh, even at a distance, lend a hand or, or say a kind word. We pray for our leaders, Lord, that they would seek your face. We think of, of your scripture it says, Sir, seek first the kingdom of God. Then all things will be added and our needs would be met. And you also tell us as a nation, if we would humble ourselves and pray uh, that you would heal our land. We bring all of this to you and ask, Lord, that your church would be uh, revived and, 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 and convicted in reference to prayer and that our leaders would turn to you uh, for wisdom and understanding. And uh, with all of this, we think of, of again, those that uh, are not with us today, those that are at home, those that are watching on uh, through our uh, podcasts and, and uh, 
Facebook and other places, Lord, we ask that you would be with them, strengthen them. And we pray for that time would be soon that we can all be together as the family of God, worshiping uh, together. And we confidently leave all of this in your hands and say thank you again, Lord, for all your love. But most of all, we thank you, Lord, thank you for your grace that you have lavished on us through Jesus Christ, his suffering on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And that we celebrate today together uh, how awesome it is to know that the God of all creation loves us so much. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins they are many. His mercy is more. What patient would wait as we constantly roam? What father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Since they are many, His mercy is more. What riches of kindness He lavished on us. His blood was the payment, His life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. That was a new one. I threw that in there. I, I forgot to tell you it was a new one. <laughs> in Christ alone, my hope is found. 
He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the power of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith. This gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I stand. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can handle black me from his hands till he returns. Or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Amen. Men and of angels, but have not love. I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. We are focusing today on verse 6. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. The re- word rejoice here uh, is to has to deal with the idea of being glad or or being well or or taking part in uh, with a sense of celebration. We normally think of rejoicing tied to the positive side of things, where we would say it's an act of worship, even to rejoice in the Lord always. You know this type of thing. Uh, we're used at this point where it does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It's not glad with wrongdoing. It, it uh, doesn't take part in wrongdoing. It doesn't lift up wrongdoing. Uh, uh, it's a, uh, it doesn't celebrate wrongdoing. And the idea of wrongdoing here is a multifaceted word as well. In various translations, it comes across in different ways. Some translations it will say, uh, instead of wrongdoing, it says, uh, love does not rejoice at evil. Um, having to do with, you know, the idea of sin or injustice or unrighteousness. And, uh, we see the idea, uh, as we look around, you know, uh, constantly from a Christian point of view, uh, in our culture today, well, we'll look at that in a minute, but in our culture today, we see a lot of these things that it talks about that our culture normally is very accepting of. And, uh, we need as a church need to be careful. That it doesn't invade us. Uh, in fact, you know, it it wouldn't hurt to do a reminder. I know it was probably the first or second messages that were uh, done that talks about the the city of Corinth, and Corinth was a uh, a, a port city. It was a very uh, important area. Uh, had a lot of of countries that that did trade within Corinth, and then it would go up to Greece and crossed over and, you know, and, and, and on a caravan type trail to places. And so Corinth was a very uh, important place. And it was as a result of all these different kinds of, of, of people coming in, different kinds of businesses sprouting up because of it. Uh, you had a very cosmopolitan, if you will, uh, city, cosmopolitan being, uh, having many cultural influences. Each of these countries that were dealing with Corinth had people that ended up living there, uh, uh, you know, raising their families there. And what they did was they brought their faith. Now, Corinth had its own situation of, of, of idol worship and, and faith. And then more of it came in and they became a, it was one of the things that they really prided themselves in was how tolerant they were of all the different religions that that came in and they would say, oh, I'm basically I'm OK. You're OK. 
and and whatever you want to to do is fine with me. And so they had a a, a myriad of of worships, including even worship that included uh, like Ephesus did. Prostitution was a form of worship for some gods and this type of thing. So it was a very um, from a Christian point of view, from a biblical point of view, a very corrupt city. And again, extremely proud of its tolerance. Uh, and unfortunately, this city pride in, in, in its tolerance uh, concerning customs and religions and idol worship had an influence on the church in Corinth to the point where Paul wrote First Corinthians. Uh, and you'll notice that the first few chapters deal about idolatry and meat and, and different things that were going on, uh, uh, marriage and adultery and, and things that were happening in the church that uh, were, were being tolerated. You know, and again, kind of having an attitude of pride about that and uh, Paul having to redress that very, very strongly. Um, yeah, I, I was looking at just going through uh in the the English standard version just the 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 different bible headings that they have for different you know uh passages and in chapter 1 uh starting with verse 10 it was the divisions in the church and then Christ the wisdom and power how to you know talk about Christ the wisdom and power not the the things of idols and stuff um needing uh the wisdom from the spirit of the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter three, it goes back to divisions in the church, uh, and, uh, sexual immorality, defiling the church, uh, lawsuits against believers, uh, sexual immorality, uh, having to go over principles for a healthy marriage, uh, and, uh, how to take care of the unmarried and the, and, and the widows and, all these things had to be go, gone over in order to say the way the world does it. And Corinth was a good example of the world at large. Uh, this is not the church. The church and the world are separate. The church is not of the world. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And so uh, Paul emphasizing the need to, for the church to be a separate, separate from that. And uh, then getting into the idea of worship and understanding our relationship with God, speaking in tongues and the different gifts and this type of thing. Chapter uh, 12, 13, pointing out chapter 13, kind of taking a, a, a parentheses, but not really changing the subject as much as saying in order to deal with all of this, we need the love of God working in us. And so he takes time out to discuss that and what we've been doing over the last several weeks. Uh, again, wrongdoing uh, is what uh, the, this particular verse, verse 13, 6, love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Wrongdoing, I'm going to have a very broad definition here for you. Anything that covers up sin. That's really what, what Paul was addressing here as much as anything. Tolerating sin. Uh, excusing sin, uh, anything, uh, that, that justifies sin or wrongdoing. Paul was concerned about anything that would come under that category. Uh, the, the, the response would be things that were not un, uncommon today, uh, in when, when the evangelical church takes the position of, of 
conservatism in the Bible saying we believe the word of God is God breathed. And, and others will say, well, no, wait a minute. There, there are parables and there's, uh, myths and there's legends and, you know, all sorts of things in the Bible. How do you separate them? How do you know? There's big debates about who, what is scripture and the word of God versus what is narrative and just thrown in and all this kind of stuff. Well, from the point of view that we come from at, at Redwood Christian Fellowship is, is that this is God breathed. Every word is God breathed. God inspired it in, in, in the writers and used them to bring it forth, but he put it together. It's God's thoughts, God's words. And so we look at the scripture from that point of view, and others will say, well, that becomes too narrow-minded. Nobody can live up to that. We're only human. Everybody does it. All the different things. I mean, growing up as kids, we would say it to our parents, and then as parents, we heard it from our kids. But everybody at school's doing it. People who uh, are looking for God's love to dominate, uh, we would have to say, you know, the opposite in a sense of love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. One would say rejoicing with the truth. But another way of saying it, too, was the opposite of God's love does, you know, God's love does not sweep sin under the carpet. And I couldn't help but, but look at that because, and I, I you know, I just realized my wife is sitting here, uh, but <laughs> walking by and seeing a little something on the floor and going, picking up the carpet and underneath. So, you know, we don't have to worry about it for today, you know, uh, you know, but, but that is what it's basically saying. We, that's the tendency is just to make light of it, to not take care of it, to put, put it off for another day, all these different things that we might look at. You know, so we don't sweep the sin under the carpet. Uh, God's love does not try to find ways to get away with bad behavior. You know, we, we, I had no choice. It was the only option that I had. Well, if the, if the option leads us to sin, then it wasn't the only option that you had. I had uh, someone approach me a number of years ago. I just, I taught a Bible study. Uh, uh, in reference to, uh, being in business and coming up with a dilemma of what to do and take care of and having someone else say, well, this is what I do and say, well, that's not something I can do. Well, why not? Well, because it's not a biblical way to approach this. Well, and this was a, a fellow believer and he says, well, listen, if you have to, if you try to do your business with using biblical standards, you'll fail. Now I'm going to say two things to that. Either my business needs to fail or God will make it a success. But, you know, and he, and this idea that I have to do it the way the world does it in order to compete is not, a, is not a, a, a Christian answer. It's not a biblical answer. God's love does not delight in the consequences of evil either. And that's a kind of a side note to this. But even the enemies of God, if you will, God is not, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we see somebody get 
judged or punished, uh, and we say, oh, he got what he deserved, or they, they, they've been unkind and, and, and whatever, and then something happens to them, and they say, well, they got what they deserved. God does not take joy in that. That, you know, we'll say that's justice. Well, God may even give out justice, but he doesn't enjoy doing it. We have, we want to make sure that we don't get this misimpression about a God who brings judgment through the Old Testament. We see the number of times that he brought judgment. It wasn't something that, that brought great joy to him. In fact, it's the opposite. And so I put here in my notes, whose death does God celebrate? Now, you think about this. Whose death does God celebrate? The believers. In Psalm 116, verse 15, God celebrates or rejoices in, in, in the death of those who believe in him. The opposite. In Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23, it says that God does not take pleasure in the death of those that are unrighteous, that die in their sins. So, you know, we look at it, I have to confess, I, you know, you, you, you hear of a, and I always use this comparison, you know, a, a, a drug dealer in Colombia who's got his huge mansion and all this stuff, and he's been living high on the hog for a long time. And some of these guys live an amazingly long life. I'm, I'm surprised at times at how they, they survive that long. And, and they've had all of this everything stuff, if you will. They've never had the, you know, they've always had plenty of whatever. And, uh, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, something happens and they get taken out by another cartel or something like that. And, and you, you feel like, or, or you hear that, you know, you know, they die. Well, you say, and now the judgment, you know, and you kind of almost say it with a, uh, a sense of arrogance, if you will. Uh, you know, God is, and yet here God is, is mourning over that. You have to think about this. When we hear of someone who's been given a just sentence through a court, it's not that we don't think he deserves it. Don't, it's not the thing that we, we want to say, oh, God, they should all be set free or anything like that, but that we need to be concerned about that person in what context, the same way God is, that person's soul. Is it possible for people to get saved while they're, justice, while they're serving out their, their justice, their sentences? Absolutely. So what should we pray for a person who is, is, is sentenced by court for a judge, for a crime that they committed? Well, we, we should offer a prayer and say, God saved their soul. It's so opposite of the way the world thinks. When Jesus approached the city of Jerusalem, it says the great lament in some cases, or Jesus laments over Jerusalem. And lament is to mourn. And, and, and actually the idea of lament is to mourn with loud groaning or, or, or sighing and includes the possibility of tears and sobs. Okay? Jesus lamented in Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 39. He was lamenting over those of Israel who were lost, who were going to die in their sins. And all that was going to come across uh, because of sin in Jerusalem over the next few decades, which included the sacking and destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Jesus was lamenting. Uh, was it justice that, that, that brought this about? Was it, 
was it their sin that brought this about? Was it due rewards or just rewards, if you would say? And the answer would be yes. But still, Jesus looks at it and he's thinking all these souls that are lost in the process. Love's outlook. I, I copied this off from someone that did, it was presented anonymously, but I, I, I took their, their list here. Uh, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love, again, does not delight in evil. It takes no pleasure in wrongdoing, is not glad about injustice, and is not happy when evil triumphs. And it takes no joy in hearing evenly, evil openly discussed. Love is never glad to hear bad news about another person. That's the gossip side of things. Okay. Did you hear what I heard? Why do we share gossip that way? Because it lifts us up. Makes us feel better about ourselves because we'd never do. Love never says, well, they finally got what they deserve. I already borrowed that one. Love is never happy to hear that a brother or a sister fell into sin. Love does not enjoy passing along bad news. This certainly goes against the grain of modern life. We all know that bad news sells. Just turn on the news on television or read the front page of a newspaper. And that good news goes on page 75. I do like that some of the broadcasters uh, in the, in the, uh, have gone back to finishing their broadcast half hour or hour with a happy note. And it's interesting. They don't have to dig far to find them. There are plenty of them out there. Uh, and so it's, it, I'm, I'm glad to see that. But, but it doesn't change the fact that the, you know, the other 95% that you just watched was all, uh, you know. Uh, that's why they put those supermarket tabloids right by the checkout counter. We all want to hear the latest juicy gossip about our favorite celebrities. Or, and I remember this one time going through the supermarket and looking over on one side was the Enquirer, on the other word was the, on the other side was the Star. I don't remember the exact combinations, but I looked at one and it says the world will end in, in, in uh, you know, and it was going for the 2000 year 2000. And this one, the other one says, 20 year predictions of, of over the, you know, uh, predictions for your life for over the next 20 years. And I thought, okay, either I'm dying or I'm living. Right? <laughs> you know, which one am I going to go with here? Um, true love isn't like that. It turns away from cheap gossip and unsubstantiated rumors. And even when the rumor turns out to be true, love takes no pleasure in the misfortunes of others that it might bring. I thought that was an interesting little note there. So coming back to this this picture, love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but it does rejoice with the truth. Love celebrates what is true. Using the same word rejoices here, basically, uh, it celebrates what is true, what is good, what is holy. And that's in context that, that, that Paul is putting here. It, it celebrates what is true, good, and holy versus the, what the world looks at, which is the, the previous verses that we've looked at. I just put here, 
Love celebrates what is true, good, and holy versus what the world celebrates is self-love. That's ultimately what it is. Me. How can I truly love without envy, quick temper, seeking self-interests? And then I said, no, you know, I started out this sentence, actually, how can we? (laughs) But then I realized I had to personalize it. How can I? And we can't. I can't. The old saying, you know, let's give it the good old college try. I don't know how many of you have ever said that or remember hearing it. I don't know if it's a saying anymore, but it was for a while in my generation. You know, give it the college try, you know. Go for it. And uh, the, really out, the reality is, is that uh, it, any result of that is superficial at best. Because it's me or us even together working in our own strength. And we may accomplish some good purposes. Is it possible in our own strength to, to reach out and defeat a community that, 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 that suffered through a, a, a windstorm or a hurricane or something like that? Absolutely. It happens all the time. So don't misunderstand it. it, 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 But when it comes to accomplishing God's purpose, when we're doing it in our own strength, that doesn't happen. God is left out. And therefore, the, the, the greatest thing these people need is not given to them. Superficial at best. And so I put here, God help me. I can't save myself. Can't walk the walk by myself. So where do I start? Well, this same anonymous article did an interesting thing. It took 1 Corinthians 13, starting with chapter, uh, with the, starting with the fourth verse, and it replaced love with the name of Jesus. And in place of it. So, Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus' love does not envy or boast. His love is not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on his own way. It is not, you know, Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Jesus does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Jesus never ends. I thought, wow, okay. Where do we start with this? We start with the reality of Jesus. That's the only place we can start because if if we don't start with Jesus, we don't start with what saves us. We have to start someplace. Jesus is the Son of God. We have to know who Jesus is. Why is he kind? Why is he patient? Why is he this way? The Bible's all the the Bible testifies this is who he is why is he that way because he is the son of god in the flesh he is a supernatural being he is fully god yet fully man and only he can satisfy god's wrath for us and he did that through the cross can't save myself, but Jesus can save me. And so this led me to a, an interesting progression, and I, 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 I 
not gonna, I, I'm gonna try not to rush through this, but it just, it's, a, it's several verses, but I, I decided to confine it to just the Gospel of John. So it would make it easy to get through. In John chapter 4, verse 23, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. He was speaking to the woman at the well. Okay. But see what he says here. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Love rejoices with the truth. So it's going to rejoice with what? True worship. Okay. Uh, and uh, uh, so interesting thought. And But then you still have to come back to how are we going to know the truth? Jesus gives us the answer in John chapter 14, as simple as it can possibly be. Jesus said to, to uh, Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you'd known me, uh, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. In other words, if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. No one comes to the Father but through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So we love rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices in Jesus Christ. He is the truth. John 16:13 When the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are are to come he will glorify me Jesus speaking for he will take what is mine and declare it to you all that the father has is mine therefore i said that he will take what i is mine and declare it to you who's he speaking about who's going to come to us that he's going to give to us it's going to come and become our helper in his place when he leaves this earth the holy spirit so love rejoices in the holy spirit And the fact that the Holy Spirit reveals to us the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. John chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, praying to God in reference to the apostles and those that would come after him, after them. Sanctify them. In the truth, your word is truth. Love rejoices in the word of God, because it is the truth. Chapter 18. Full passage here that I would uh, uh, read to you. Uh, starting with verse uh, 33. Familiar verses. Jesus has been arrested, and he's before Pilate. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? 
Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not have delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. (laughs) Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? Are you having to leave us? Okay. I didn't know if we needed to stop and pray for well, that, that call that just came through. So, okay. Um, and by the way, that's never a hesitation. It doesn't bother me that that goes off. That, that's just somebody in need and we might need our prayers. So, so for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to them, what is truth? You see, Pilate was of the mindset of Corinth. Not that he was pro-Corinthians necessarily. He was because Rome was just as bad, you see. Plus, Pilate had been all over the, the Mediterranean and, and eastern part of the world as, as a servant, as a soldier, as, as a leader of the armies. And, and so he had seen all of these different things. And he says, oh, there's India, truth from India and there's truth from China. And there's truth from, from, uh, you know, this part and, and there's truth from the, the Syrians and there's truth from, uh, the African na- nations and there's truth from, from Gaul and there's truth from, you know, he goes, just go all over the place and say, there's all these different truths. Who knows what is true? That's really what he's getting at here. And what he was saying was, you can take it for what it's worth. Whatever you, whatever you want to believe in, what is true? But Jesus was very clear here. He was saying he is the truth. Again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I just wanted to bring all of these through uh, so that, uh, you know, that, that again, what are we worshiping when we say uh, we, we are uh, rejoicing in the truth? We're rejoicing in Jesus Christ, that he came in the flesh, all that he has done, and we're rejoicing in the word of God. It's all here for us. And, and, uh, this ended up taking me to uh, to the 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 gospel. Uh, the, I mean, the first letter of John, uh, uh, just uh, capturing a, a portion of what he's, he that John writes uh, in First John chapter three. Uh, you know, John talks about love, loving one another. The love is of God. You know, if you don't love, then you're not in a relationship with God, this type of thing. And and some specific verses that tie in with what we've been talking about here. Uh, Starting with verse 18, it says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And this idea was is that not just what we say uh, or talk in the sense of, of declare, but it's what we do in our actions that makes the difference, that shows whether we are sincere or not. Are our deeds a reflection of the truth? Where do we get the understanding of what is true? 
Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It ties it back. And, of course, this is John writing again. He would assume that that's what we were going to do. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. His mercy is more. (laughs) Greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. By the way, if we please him, it's because we have faith in who Jesus Christ is, because we are worshiping him and in the truth. That's what pleases God. Okay. And so the end result is, is that somebody say, well, he, he, some people take this and, and convert it to God answers the prayers of any believer, whatever it is you want. You need a, you, you want a Cadillac. Pray for it. And if you want to be careful and get what you want, be specific and de- declare, you know, I want the Cadillac to have a, a wooden dashboard and I want it to have this and that and all this kind of stuff and name it and claim it. It was what it was called in the seventies and eighties. And, and I think it's still part of that context. And, and that's not what this verse is about that God will get it, give you whatever you want. It's because whatever you want, if you're working in a relationship that is worshiping Christ and you're in a pleasing relationship with God, what are you going to want? The things that glorify God in your life. That's what you're going to be praying for. You're going to be God. If, if, if a house would glorify you, then I accept it. But if not, I accept that. God, if a tent would glorify you, I accept it. Kathy and I were careful about praying about God. I'll go anywhere you send me because, you know, Kathy didn't want to go where there were snakes. Uh, worms. Well, yeah, worms are even worse. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and the idea was, is we made a joke about it, but the idea was, you know, are we really at that point where we will go wherever God sends us? We even have a song about send me, God. I, I will go where you send me. And we sing it robustly. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Ah, a reference to the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Pushed right in there. when And John knew, again, people would understand what he was writing here. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us, the Holy Spirit who references and brings us to an understanding of who truth is and what it is. You see how this is just all tied together? We say we rejoice in the truth. What are we rejoicing in? What the Holy Spirit does through us, bringing Christ to us, understanding Christ in his word. And he even gave us a way to be sure we were understanding that we weren't getting any deception. Goes on in chapter four of first John. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. You see, this is Corinth, even in the church in Corinth, they were not being careful. They weren't looking at all these different ideas that were coming into the church and seeing are these things that God would be pleased with. Would God be pleased with a, an adulterous relationship? Well, we're tolerating it because, you know, it's not like they're, you know, it's not a love triangle or anything like that. It was, it's, you know, 
no, God's not, uh, you know, and, and something God disdains. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have come out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Somebody took that in a simplistic form and says, well, therefore, someone says, I'm of, uh, uh, you know, uh, I confess Jesus Christ must be of God. That, that wasn't to be taken so lightly. It was to be taken with all the inference of everything that John has written up to this point. Who Christ is. Okay, the Son of God come in the flesh to, to, you know, all of that would be implied in this. This is the spirit of the, and the one who, who does not confess Jesus. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. I don't know if you see this, how harsh this is. But this is a very severe judgment. I, I hesitate sometimes to, to, to point out the different things that you could ask. But the simple one for me is go to the school board and ask them if they confess Jesus Christ come in the flesh. What are they going to tell you? No, all religions are tolerated here. Now, that's because it's a public school under the guise of the government. They have the freedom of worship and religion, all this kind of stuff. All I'm saying is you need to understand that. doesn't mean you can't put your kids into the public school. What it means is that you do it with a guard up. Be sure that you're going over the stuff that they're learning. Don't hesitate to be bold enough to say, I want to sit in on one of the, on, on a class. They can't refuse you. I know for my kids it was embarrassing, especially when some of them might say, oh, gosh, here comes that pastor guy again. Yeah. But I was involved in what was going on. And when something was wrong to the point that I couldn't tolerate it, I pulled my kid out of the school, out of that particular class. In one case, they told me, well, if I pull him out of that class, there's no way to get him into another class. I said, I have an alternative. I said, I can homeschool. And so I homeschooled my one son. I think he thought it was going to be an easy breeze because we went through ISP, but we just had a desk across from mine. (laughs) And he got all his homework done and everything. Take it seriously. By the way, your children are a key responsibility God has given you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with the fourth verse. I won't go any further, but it's tied to the great commandment. (laughs) Uh, So think about it. In looking again, as we, as we look at this, judging the spirits, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For those who are, uh, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Now, at this point, who is John talking about when he says us? The apostolic teaching, which happens to be what? For us, the word of God. 
Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. But this we know, the spirit of truth, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of error is to accept anything that does not confess Jesus Christ come in the flesh and all that that means. We don't put our faith in it. We don't put our confidence in it. We don't tolerate it as, oh, it's okay. We recognize it as to what it is. It's of the world. And by the way, if it's of the world, it's of the Antichrist. I didn't write it. John did. And he's serious about it. Understand the distinction. It either proclaims who God is or it doesn't. That's why this statement is so important. You know, we don't worship or we don't rejoice in evil. What is evil? Anything that does not glorify God. Any sin is evil, right? So if it doesn't glorify God, it's evil. So if we, if we turn around and, 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 and rejoice in, in secularism and humanism and all these kinds of things that go on around us in the world, we are taking aside and, and actually ignoring this verse. Can we, we we find joy in the fact that something is successful and ministers to someone even though it's not coming from God? Absolutely. We can we can turn around and say those people got blessed even though they don't know it, and it but but by God's allowing it to happen. Or do you not believe that God is sovereign? You see how how tied together this all is? And so that's why I wanted to be sure. I know that it's a lengthy way around, but uh you know, the, the reality is, is that this is who we are if we confess Jesus Christ. And we need to, to, to look at that. Let me finish this up. Beloved, let us one love, one love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this, the love of God, was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. John reaffirmed, even after what, all that that he just said, reaffirmed. Where does the source of this love come from? Jesus Christ, God. The Son come in the flesh. Every time we celebrate communion, we celebrate what God has done for us. Again, as we go to communion, we're doing self-serve. So if you didn't get a packet, you can go out and get one while we're we're waiting for it. Uh, if you want, you can go ahead and open it and get the the wafer exposed <laughs> and and ready to go. And uh, we're just uh, sharing in this. And, and, and I just wanted to close while the worship team got ready with the verses that I shared a few weeks ago from uh, Colossians chapter 2. Because it's so powerful. You were dead in your trespasses. But God has made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. 
This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in, in, in Christ. They have, you know, Jesus says in John chapter 16, they've, all, they've been judged through the cross. You know, they were, they would be judged through the cross. They, they would see their end in his death, burial, and resurrection. Satan knows his end. He's not satisfied with it. He's not going to settle for it. And he's going to do everything he can to disrupt it. But he has seen it through the word of God. He's capable of seeing it. And he has been put to shame. His power has been overwhelmed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's uh, have our song and we'll share in communion.
And it indeed is an amazing grace that has saved us. Jesus asked that every time that we would come to celebrate together and worship him and thank him and thank God for all that they have done to come in truth together and, and worship, that we would celebrate this act of grace by sharing in two emblems that he designated at the Last Supper to be those things that would uh, remind us of what he has done for us. And one is the bread. And he asked that as often as we would do this, we would do it in remembrance of him, understanding that he has come in the flesh. Not only did he come in the flesh, but he physically died. He died on the cross. There was no longer any life in his body. He was put into a grave, and three days later, God raised him from the dead to show us that he had the power to have victory over sin. He came in the flesh. By the way, he raised him in the flesh as well. Let us share in the bread. In the cup, we celebrate the shedding of his blood. He said that this would represent his blood poured out to purchase the covenant of grace. And he asked as often as we do this, we do it in remembrance of him until he comes again. Let us share. Father, we thank you for these emblems that remind us of who you are. That represent the life that you sacrificed, the blood that you poured out, and the promise that you were coming again. Every time we take communion, we celebrate these things, and we worship you, the truth, the love. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We recognize that you are the only access. By no other name can man be saved that of Jesus Christ. No tolerance for any other religion in that context. We can love people and, and, and be friends with people even that are of other faiths and, and other religions. But when it comes down to embracing their faith in order to be a friend, we cannot do that. We must embrace you, the truth. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you for your word that gives us guidance for our daily walk. We ask that you would use the word through your Holy Spirit to inspire us, direct us, and to draw us close together and close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Would you stand as we close? And uh, our closing song, Trust and Obey. to trust and obey when we walk with the lord in the light of his word 
What a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise. Not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sigh nor a tear, can abide while we trust and obey. And obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Hello, sweet, we will sit at his feet. Or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do. Where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. And there's just an example of my life, just trusting God and obeying Him.